0: This is a podcast of the Church of Indian Lakes. We're going to dive in there in just a second, but I'm excited to be able to continue, or rather wrap up our sermon series, Project Identity, because I believe that it's very important that we understand who we are in Jesus Christ, because when we understand who we are, we are able to connect with God on a very different and intimate level. Today, we're going to talk about worship specifically, Worship's very important to our faith as followers of Christ. Worship is vital. And I feel like a lot of times we feel like worship has to take place uh, just within the confines of these walls, but it doesn't. And as we begin to discover who God created us to be and how we can connect to Him better, we begin to worship God in a new level. And that's my hope today for all of us, because I believe that we were all created to Worship. I believe we were all created to worship something within our DNA encoded in what looks vaguely similar to that on the screen is a desire to worship deep inside that God, when he formed us, he formed our universe to worship, honor, and praise. And I believe that we are never not worshiping. Now we may not be worshiping God, but we are never not worshiping. And in our scripture today, in 1 Corinthians ten thirty one, it says this. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Now, whether you're eating or drinking, and it doesn't matter what you're eating or drinking. I had Chewies last night, and I was eating a fish taco. Or whatever you do, right? Whatever. It's a vague, ambiguous, large term that encompasses whatever you do. It should honor, glorify, and point people to God. That is worship. In all aspects of our lives, in all areas, all encompassing, we are worshiping, we should be worshiping and honoring God. The problem is that when we're not worshiping God, we're worshiping something else. When we're not worshiping God, we're worshiping something else. We begin to take on something else. And the Bible calls this idolatry. When we exalt anything above God, that becomes idolatry. And we would never imagine that you and I would have a bunch of idols all over the place. But the reality is that anytime we're worshiping something that's not God, it's an idol. And we've got to be cautious that we're not doing that in our lives. Because the Bible points out in several places, but two very familiar ways, it points out that idolatry is wrong. The first two commandments of the Bible, spell it very clearly. The first says, you shall have no other gods before me. It doesn't get more obvious than that. Now, why do you think the Bible, why do you think God, when he handed down the uh, 10 commandments, would start with that commandment? Like in my mind, I would imagine murder would probably be number one. Like don't kill me because that's huge. Don't steal my stuff. Like that would be big. Don't rob me. Don't commit adultery. Like those would be huge. But he starts with don't put anything else above God. It wasn't just a problem for the people as they were reading the Ten Commandments, though it was a big problem. They were amassing a huge idol. It's a problem for us today. And though we're not melting down all of our jewelry and creating a a bust of someone that we like in our church, we're creating idols in smaller areas. The second commandment that comes across is do not make any idols. Don't make any idols. Don't have any engraved images that you worship. Now in Jaipur, India, there's a place called the Monkey Temple. And uh, it's this gorgeous place I would imagine. I've not been, but the picture looks gorgeous. It's this gorgeous palace that's created specifically for monkeys to inhabit. It's a monkey palace. And people from all over will come and they'll bring stuff that monkeys eat. Like bananas are the only thing that come to mind. They'll bring stuff for the monkeys. And they'll offer these sacrifices to this animal, several animals. And they just sort of run around and 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 it's just probably gross, I would imagine, for reasons we won't mention, but they just run around everywhere. And there are priests that take care of the monkeys. Now imagine that being your job, that you hate Monday mornings. Imagine if you were the monkey priest. You go in, you take care of monkeys, you clean up after them, and then every so often they'll go in to a group of monkeys and they will come out with some kind of revelation. I don't know if they look at like poop that's been flung, or I don't know how that works. I didn't do my research and I apologize to you all. But they come out with a Revelation. And everyone just oohs and ahs, and they get that revelation from monkeys. And it's ridiculous. At least I hope that you think that's ridiculous. And we say to ourselves, that's so dumb. I would never take part in that. That is not even anywhere near something that I would wanna do. Like, why would I wanna look to a monkey? And in the area, there's so much poverty and yet they're putting all their hope and their trust in these animals. Like, I get like a lion or a bear, but a monkey, like who wants to do that? And all their hope is in this monkey. And it's ridiculous to you and I. But just like the people of that area, you and I tend to have idols in our own lives. And hopefully it's not a monkey, but sometimes it ends up being physical beauty. Like the way that you look becomes an idol. I just want to tell you that you can't change the way that you look. I've tried like physically in front of a mirror, like try to change the way you look. You can't do it. You can spend a lot of time and money trying to hold back time, but the reality is that if you were to take a picture of yourself right now with your phone, or maybe you brought a camera, I don't know, take a picture of yourself, the way that you look right this second, it's going to be different tomorrow. It'll never be that way again. It's just not going to be that way because we're changing, we're evolving, we're aging. And the harder we try, the more obvious it becomes to the people around us that you're trying to hold on to your beauty. And a lot of times we make this our God. The thing is, any attempt to exalt anything above God becomes idolatry. Maybe for you, you care more about what the people around you think. You care more about what people think about you and you spend a lot of time worrying about what people are saying about you and you think, wow, I don't, don't want to really, you know, if I, if I do something, they're going to think this about me and, and, and I don't know, I, I'm afraid of what they'll think. You might as well just go ahead and create an actual statue of that person and worship it because when you exalt them before God, it's idolatry. Maybe it's your boat. Maybe it's the way you spend your weekends, grilling out. Maybe you prefer doing something other than church. Maybe it's kids' sporting events. Whatever it is, if it's above God, it's idolatry. And you and I have idols in our lives. They're not in the shape or form of a monkey, hopefully, but we have idols in our lives, things that we place above God. And it's idolatry. It's idolatry. And I just believe that we were created to worship something beyond ourselves. Something bigger than us. Something more powerful than us. Something greater than anything that we can create. God says, don't have any other gods before me. It doesn't matter what it is. You can have your child could be more important than your relationship with God. It becomes an idol. God wants to be at the forefront of your life. Now, worship is very important. It is. We, we spend a lot of time uh, in worship here in our services. It's a good 50% of what we do. And we worship in our youth service. I got to brag on our youth band. They did phenomenal. Those guys are all under the age of like 17. And they just brought worship to us in a great way. And that's huge. And we have a lot of worship. It's important. So it's important that we understand what worship is. Because it's a big part of who we should be in Christ. And so in order to understand what worship is, I believe we need to start with what worship is not. The first thing that worship is not is worship is not an event. It is not an event. I love going to concerts. I love the emotional experience that a concert evokes. I love when there's, you know, a, a multi-million dollar lighting rig and sound and everything's huge. And, uh, and you just get caught up in that experience. And I love worship, I do. I love engaging in worship and I love praising God and I love the, uh, the experience that we have when his presence comes down. But sometimes we get uh, the concert experience confused with worship. Like all of this right here is not done so that we can worship it. It's done so that it can help us worship. It's done so it can help us connect to God. And you may say, well, David, I don't really like drums. And that's okay, you might prefer a piano. You might prefer a sitar. I actually think I would prefer a sitar. You might prefer something crazy because God created us all unique and different. We're not all the same. So we all connect to God very differently. But the idea is that we don't look for that worship experience necessarily. We don't look for that worship event where we say, okay, this is worship now because the drums are playing and that LED light bar is lit and this is worship now. See, the thing is worship Goes with us everywhere we go. You can't box it in. You can't say, okay, for the next 20 minutes, that's worship. Three songs, it's going to be great. Then we're going to go do something else. It's all worship. We live our lives eating and drinking and whatever we do, honoring and worshiping God. It's not just here. It's not just an event. It's not something that we can set aside and isolate and compartmentalize. It should envelop all of our life. Everywhere we go, everything we do. And many times we come in and, and we say, you know, that song just doesn't resonate with me. I don't like it. Maybe today you said, there's just a couple songs that didn't really know all the words to. And so I just have a hard time connecting. See, worship's not about the music that we do. It's not an event. It's not something that we create. And we try to build uh, a a set of uh, songs that help everyone connect, and we try to use different instruments to, to pull as many people in. But the reality is that when we make worship about anything that happens up here, we're idolizing it because we're taking it away from God. Worship's about Him. I've got a list of songs that I despise, worship songs that churches in general do that I despise, I promise. And I'll tell you later if you wanna know. It's a long list of songs that when we hear, I'm just like, because ah, I'm here a lot. It's part of what I do. But it doesn't matter because worship's not about your favorite song. Worship's not about the song that I hate. It's not about the song that you hate. Worship's about God and it shouldn't matter if we came up here and sang, I don't know, just a random song. It should point us to God. When God's presence is here and we're connected to Him, because worship is not an event. It's not about your personal taste, because we cannot please everybody, but God can. And when you follow Him and you worship Him and you connect yourself to Him, it doesn't matter what happens up here. It's just you and God, and you worship Him. The second thing worship is not is worship is not music. It's not music. We often say, okay, well, I'm gonna come in and there's gonna be music playing, and that's gonna be worship. Or we go home and we put in a CD and we say, okay, I'm going to listen to this song and that's going to be worship. Worship is everything. It's whatever we do. It's eating and drinking. It's fellowship with others. It's alone time in your car. Sometimes I find that I worship better and connect with God better when maybe I'm at the beach and you're alone. It's quiet. You can hear the waves. Or at my house, when it's quiet, which never happens at all, ever once just getting alone with God. Maybe it's your car ride to work. Maybe you just shut off everything. Maybe it's just silence. And you find yourself connecting to God. Worship doesn't have to involve music. And I feel like as a culture, we've idolized worship. We've made it into a multi-million dollar uh, industry. And we've decided that, you know, we've got to have all this stuff. and, And it's great. I love music. I passionately love music. But worship doesn't always have to involve music. Worship involves you and it involves God. And that is it. The third thing is that worship is not just for females. I know. You'll never admit it. Not a man in this room will admit it. But we sometimes feel like worship's a feminine thing. And I think it has uh, some to do with the fact that we have a couple of women worship leaders, has some to do with the fact that we feel like maybe worship is, uh, the mannerisms of worship are feminine. When you, you know, move your hands or you get on your knees or the idea of singing for a lot of you makes you, makes you nervous and it probably should, but it, you're not singing to people, you're singing to God. The idea just seems feminine. We just think that's feminine. Worship is for females, but it's not. See, God didn't just create women to worship. God created us all to connect to him. He created us all to worship him. And deep inside of us, we all have a desire to connect with God through worship. One of the most masculine examples of a male worship leader I could think of besides Daniel Reed is King David in the Bible. King David in the Bible, in uh, 2 Samuel, he finds himself so caught up in God's presence that he just tears through the streets dancing. Just took off. I don't know if it was like a, it probably wasn't a dainty feminine dance. It might have been like a river dance or something more masculine that you could imagine in your own mind. But he just tore through the streets dancing because he got lost in the fact That there were people around. He got lost in the fact that there wasn't really music playing. He got lost in the fact that he was in the street. And he got so caught up in God's presence, he forgot to put his pants on. There's nothing more masculine than your wife yelling at you saying, put your pants back on. And that's what happened to David. Tore through the street in his undies, and he did not care. Quick disclaimer. You Take your pants off, you're going to have to leave. That's just the rules. I don't know who we can get to patrol it, but if we see you pantsless, we're not going to buy the excuse that you got caught up in God's presence. But the reality is, when was the last time that you found yourself so caught up in God's presence that you didn't even understand what you were doing? You didn't know what you were doing. Ideally, you were pantsed, but you just didn't know what you were doing. You just caught up in God's presence. Maybe it's here. Maybe it's in this worship service. We're all here and music's playing and you just you don't realize what your hands are even doing. They're just doing stuff. And you, you don't know because you're caught up in God's presence. Maybe it's at home or wherever. But when was the last time that you just shut off everything around you and get caught up in God's presence? That's worship. That's worship. And for me, I, I find myself, you know, I'll, I'll usually... This is being really honest, so don't tell anyone else. But I find myself, I'll, I usually, when I worship, I'll throw a hand up, and then for whatever reason, I just put my hand on my chest. I don't, I don't plan it on my way to church. I don't think, okay, when the bridge hits, I'm going to put my hand here, and the chorus, it's all in. And I don't really work things out ahead of time, choreograph it, But that's just where I catch myself. Like when I kind of come back and I'm like, oh, what am I doing? I catch myself with my hand in the air and and my hand on my chest and my feet are doing some kind of like Dave Matthews shuffle, but with little to no coordination whatsoever. And here's the deal. I look ridiculous. There's no question. But I don't care. It doesn't matter. Because if I care more about what you think, then I might as well make an idol of you. And it'd be an ugly idol. There is no question. Because it doesn't matter what the people here think. And King David said the same thing. He said, you know what? I might be pantsless, but I don't care because I'm worshiping God and that's all that matters because we get caught up in that. We get caught up in that. But what happens sometimes is we box worship in. We say, okay, uh, worship has to look like this, right? You you can be with your hands here and you can, there's like zones where you can be here or here and here and that's all. And so you kind of see everybody fall into a routine of of worshiping the same way, but God didn't create you and I to be the exact same. It's painfully obvious that we're all very, very different. And so God created all of us to connect to him in a very unique ways as well. And so I just want to go through a couple of typical ways to worship really fast. This uh, rookie way right here, it's the elbow flap. I got this off our pastor's wife's Facebook page. I like to sort my, cite my sources. Hands in the pocket, elbow flapping, you've been there. That's kind of an entry level. Music's going. Music's Uh, carry the big screen, it gets bigger maybe that's a chorus deal Uh, intermediate, your fish Uh, hold the bait, the Mephasa is my favorite uh, from Lion King (laughs) then there's the pro level so I don't know if you guys are ready for this or not but I'll go through it anyway Uh, the dueling light bulbs or uh, the goalpost, which I guess I'm guilty here Uh, pointer and the hatchet Uh, village people, if you're really going to move off the rocky and the touchdown, all these are great ways and in a second we're going to sing a song and if you want to pick one of these ways, I don't care I'll be really honest. I'm not going to walk around and be like, yep, goalpost here, hatchet there, pockets. He's a rookie. I'm not going to care. And you're not either. Because all of those ways are great ways to worship God. They really are. I don't make light of the fact that people worship God that way, including this guy. But I do tell you that worship just doesn't have to look like this, and this, and this, and this, and this. It can look like... More or less, as long as your pants are on, just about anything. You could throw down on your knees, you could sit in your chair, you can do your hands any other way that weren't mentioned in that list. Worship goes beyond what we imagine. And because God created us unique, He created you to connect with Him in a very unique way. And a lot of times people they feel guilty men maybe specifically because they don't worship God like everybody else like because you don't put your hand on your chest and your hand up that you don't you're not really worshiping God but if you're connecting with him and you're focused on him and you're caught up in his presence then you're worshiping God and all this stuff that's just extra like for me when the music's playing and I, or not even when I'm in God's presence I just I find myself worshiping him whenever feels comfortable and that's worship that's not an excuse not to worship you can't say well david i I don't connect to God that way, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna check out. We can't check out, but we should find freedom in the fact that God wants us all to worship in a way that he created you to worship. Worship is not an event. It's not just for females. And uh, it's certainly not stuck in some kind of a box. Worship goes beyond what we could think or imagine. Uh, worship is though, worship is a response. Worship is a response. In 1 John four nineteen, it says this, we love him because he first loved us. We love him because he first loved us. when we realize that there is someone who loves us unconditionally, who loves us more than any parent, any grandparents, any significant other. God loves us more than anyone. We realize that a natural response is worship. That a natural outpouring of our gratefulness is to worship God because He loved us first. He didn't just love us because that's easy, right? People can grow on you. You can get used to people and you can tolerate them and eventually you can maybe love them. God loved us first. Think about what that means for you. He loved you when you were out in the world doing stupid stuff. He loved you when you were out doing crazy stuff and you were far from him. He loved you when you were making conscious decisions to mess up your life. God loved you before all of that. He didn't wait till you got clean and looked pretty and you came here to the church at Indian Lake. God loved you first. And a natural response to his love is worship. But God doesn't demand it. He deserves it. Psalms 145, David says it really well with his pants on. I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. And his greatness is unsearchable. His greatness is unsearchable. He's worthy of our praise. That's the thing and it's not just we worship god it's that he deserves our worship that his grace and his mercy that is extended upon us deserves it god doesn't demand it see that's what sets our god up against any other god is our god deserves it and he doesn't demand it now he puts out a warning he says look if you won't worship the rocks will cry out it's not a threat I don't think. I don't think it's a threat. When I tell my kids, if you do that one more time, you're going to get trouble. I'm not threatening my kid. I'm telling them what's about to happen if they do it again. God's saying, if you don't worship, that's fine, but I'm going to find something else that will. And if you're okay with a rock worshiping more than you, then that's on you. God says, I'll find something because this earth at its very core was created To praise Him. And if you and I stop, something else will raise up. God deserves our praise. He doesn't demand it. He deserves it. The second thing that worship is, is worship is heartfelt. Worship should be a genuine expression of our love for God. Not forced, not canned, not prepackaged, not choreographed. Worship should be a natural response. It should be something where we say, I love God so much. I'm in his presence and I'm just going to worship him. Now, it has to be genuine. There's nothing more irritating than worshiping with a group of people and then seeing their Facebook posts the next day. And they're just crazy stuff. There's nothing more annoying, and that's kind of my world, where you see all these kids, they're on fire for God, and then you see a couple of them the next day, and you're like, what is going on? There's a disconnect. We've compartmentalized God. We've said we can worship Him here, but when we go to our outside group, we can do what we want, and that's not the case, because it's supposed to go throughout our entire lives. God should flow through our entire lives, but it should be genuine. It should be heartfelt. The third thing that worship is, is worship is a choice. Worship is a choice. In Psalms 27, four, it says this, one thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. Can you imagine calling up the pastor tomorrow and saying, hey, can I live at the church? Can I just get a cot and set up? David's saying this, he's saying, God, I wanna dwell in your presence Forever. Forever. And for some of you, that feels way overwhelming. Like, let's just get through a couple of songs first. Let me get there. Forever seems like a long time. But when you find yourself caught up in God's presence, you just desire to spend forever. David said, I want to worship Forever. But worship is a choice. It's something that you and I have to choose. Every day that we wake up, we gotta make a choice. Do I wanna worship God or do I wanna worship something else? Because that's it. You wake up on a Sunday morning and it's raining outside and your alarm went off a little late and you think, well, I missed the first service, so that's out. Second service, I could probably make. I don't know, it's raining out, I could get wet, my car might slide off the road. It's better if I stay home. You make a choice. Do I want to go worship God or do I want to stay in bed? When you wake up on Monday morning and you're hanging out with your work buddies, and you're around the water cooler, you're making a choice. Do I want to worship God? Do I want to live a life that honors him and praises him? Or do I want to fit in with the crowd? When you decide that you'd rather go spend time at a ball game or uh, boating or whatever, when we exalt anything above God, we're making the conscious decision to create an idol. And God won't stand for it. He won't stand for it. And he made it painfully obvious in the commandments that he's not going to tolerate it. That you and I should exalt God above everything. And we should make that choice. Now I'm going to be really frank, if I haven't been honest enough already. I don't always feel like worshiping God. There are just times when you don't feel like it. You've had a bad day. You fought with your family. Whatever scenario you could paint, you just don't feel like it. But we've got to find ourselves in a place where we understand that God's unconditional love deserves our worship, and we just worship anyway. We make a choice. When we play a song up here that's on our list, you make a choice. Do you want to check out or do you want to engage? You make a choice. When you leave and you're thumbing through the radio, you'd rather listen to your songs than be in silence. You're making a choice. We choose to worship God. God's not going to force us. He's not going to drag you into it. He's not going to throw your hands up automatically. We're choosing to worship God. And every day that we wake, we should choose to live a life that honors and bring praise to him because he deserves it. Because he deserves it. One thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all my days. All my days. Could you say that about yourself right now? Could you say, I just want to spend time in God's presence. I just want to worship Him. Will you choose to worship God today? If you would, bow your head and close your eyes with me. Across this room, I want you just to begin to to have a conversation with God. I want you just to ask Him, say, God, is there anything in my life that's keeping me from worshiping you? Is there anything in my life that's keeping me from connecting to you. Ask him to begin to make you aware of some ways that you can begin to worship him. God, we ask you to begin to stir in our hearts a desire to worship you not just on Sundays and Wednesdays, but God, may we desire to honor and praise you every day of our lives, that you would increase our heart to worship you, God, that you would give us the desire to wanna spend time in your presence. We thank you in Jesus' name. Our ushers are gonna begin to prepare to pass out communion. There's several different ways that we worship God here at the church. Obvious worship with music is one. Tithe and offering is a great way to worship God. Another way is through communion and today happens to be corporate communion. And so in just a second, we're gonna pass out communion to everyone across the room. And I'd like to ask you just to hold the elements. If you're not comfortable taking communion today, then then let it pass, please. Don't feel any obligation. But this morning, we're going to take communion together, and together we're going to begin to connect to God through these elements, that we're going to begin to bring a greater sense of intimacy with Him through grape juice and crackers. And so I just want everyone, if you would, just to begin to pass it out, hold the elements. We're going to come back up in just a second and take those together. We're going to pass these out. in your hand, I want us just to bow our heads and close our eyes. The Bible warns us of taking communion unworthy. And so I want us all just to take a second. If there's anything in our hearts and our lives that are keeping us from connecting with God, if there's anything between God and us, I want you just to ask God to make you aware of that and remove it from your life. Thank you for listening podcast of the Church of Indian Lake.